the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Revelation. Real love is calling, listen, truth opens up your eyes. That is a marvelous reflection on the compassion and care of our Father in Heaven. There are many times that you might feel like, does God really see what I'm going through? Does He really notice and care about the grief in my life or what I'm distressed about? And the Bible says that He, in a sense there, He stores your tears in a bottle and He records those incidences in a book. That's a book of remembrance. Does God see what you're going through? Does He care about your suffering? In today's message, Pastor Gary will answer those questions with a confident, Scripture-based yes. Today's passage from Revelation reveals that God keeps a record of our sorrows in a book of remembrance. He doesn't forget, and He sent His beloved Son to experience and understand the suffering of mankind, while also making a way for us to be redeemed and experience perfection in His kingdom for eternity. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Revelation chapter 20 with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. Gehenna is a word that means lake of fire. And it is the place, the ultimate place, the final place where all those who are disobedient against God will end up, including the devil himself, the false prophet, and the Antichrist. Now, the lake of fire is perpetual suffering. Notice again there at the end of verse 10, and they will be tormented day and night forever and ever. There is a false doctrine called the doctrine of annihilation, which teaches that A, either hell doesn't exist, or B, if it does exist, people, as soon as they enter it, are annihilated. They're burned up, and they no longer exist. That is not true. The human soul never is extinguished. Did you know that? The human soul is never extinguished. You will either live out the rest of eternity with the Lord, or you will live out the rest of eternity separated from him. Now, the Bible says God wants none to perish, but all to come to repentance. That's his heart. That's why he sent Jesus to die on a cross. But it is your choice at that point where you're going to spend eternity. God does not predetermine that some will go to heaven and some will go to hell. That's a fatalistic view that I don't believe Scripture teaches. What the Bible teaches is, for God so loved the world... All right, for God so loved the world that whosoever, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Okay, so the invitation is to whosoever, or as many as call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. 
So the invitation is open. You will spend your eternity based on the choice you make. God has offered heaven as a place to spend eternity with him. No one has to go to hell. No one has to end up in the lake of fire. That becomes a choice. And it is real, though. The existence is real. Uh, Despite even what some would say regarding not just the lake of fire, but the existence of hell even today. So back in 2018, uh, Pope Francis gave an interview with a, a journalist by the name of Eugenio Scalfari, and Scalfari asked the Pope, what about bad souls? Where are they punished? And the Pope answered, bad souls are not punished. This is Pope Francis. Those who do not repent and cannot therefore be forgiven disappear. There is no hell. There is the disappearance of sinful souls. That's not what the Bible teaches, Pope. I I hate to correct the Pope, but I'm telling you, the Bible is a higher authority than the papal authority. He didn't speak that, by the way, as a, as a, as a, you know, a statement from the Vatican. He just was making that as a statement to a journalist. But nevertheless, Pat Buchanan, if any of you follow, Pat Buchanan is a very conservative. Uh, he ran for president a couple of times uh, uh, many years ago, but he's a very conservative Irish Catholic. He wrote an article in Newsmax in response to what the Pope said in 2018 and railed on the Pope. He, and Buchanan is Irish Catholic, and he railed on the Pope, saying, this is not biblical. What are you talking about, that there's no hell and that, and that people just disappear? Of course there's hell, and there's heaven. Make a choice. It's real. And they are punished here forever and ever. Well, now we get into verse 11 that talks about the great white throne. And let me, uh, before I read the rest of the verses, let me just kind of give you a synopsis as we head into the great white throne, what it is and what it isn't. Uh, first of all, it's important for everybody to know, because when we talk about, you know, there's a great white throne, there's this, there's this judgment of God, he's sitting on a throne. This is what John sees here. And people pass before him, and he, and he judges people. And so what we need to understand, first of all, is this is for unbelievers, the great white throne judgment is not for believers. Why? Here's the reason. Believers have either, number one, already died, okay, and gone to heaven, and either died, um, you know, Old Testament saints, New Testament saints, or died during the tribulation period who put their faith and trust in Jesus. Those saints are coming back with Jesus for the millennial reign. Okay, so those saints, they're not going to be judged at the great white throne judgment. They've already died. They've already been glorified. They've been with God in heaven, with Jesus in heaven. They are returning with Jesus to rule and reign with him for the thousand years. They either, that's where believers were, or at the end of the, of the uh, tribulation period, uh, there is a separation um, as to who is going to go into the millennial reign with Jesus and who will not. And it's given to us in Matthew chapter 25. It's where Jesus then judges between what he uses in allegorical terms, the sheep and the goats. The sheep represent the righteous, the believers. The goats represent the unrighteous and the unbelievers. Jesus makes a determination at the end of the seven years of tribulation, just at the beginning of the millennial period, Jesus makes the determination, who are the righteous who are going to go into the millennial reign with me? 
And so that's out of Matthew chapter 25. Let me just read that again and refresh our memories, and I'll, and I'll try to tie all this together, because I know the timeline can get a little confusing, so let me explain. Out of Matthew 25, this is what Jesus said, starting in verse 31. He said, when the Son of Man comes in his glory, and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. All the nations will be gathered before him, and he will separate them one from another as a shepherd divides his sheep from the goats. And he will set the sheep on his right hand, but the goats on his left. And then the king will say to those on his right hand, come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit now the millennial kingdom. You're going to come with me into the thousand year reign. But further down, Matthew 25, verse 41, and then he will also say to those on the left hand, depart from me, you cursed into the everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is what we're talking about, the lake of fire. So when you put Matthew 25 together with Revelation 20, here's what we need to understand. At the end of the seven years of tribulation, Jesus separates the righteous from the unrighteous. The unrighteous are going to go into the lake of fire. They're going to be punished. The righteous go with Jesus into the thousand-year reign. So you have to imagine the first makeup of the millennial kingdom will be only believers. Now, as successive generations are born, they may not all believe. But initially, the group of people who go into the millennial period are survivors from the tribulation who managed not to be beheaded because they didn't take the mark of the beast or worship him. That God had protected, including the 144,000 Jews, they go into the millennial kingdom, that's the righteous, and, and they make up the first generation of those in the millennial kingdom. So by the time you get to the end of the millennial kingdom of the thousand years, okay, the righteous, the, the believers... Uh, have already been been judged. And so the, the great white throne judgment is for unbelievers. And what we need to also understand about the great white throne judgment, it's going to be like a courtroom with a few notable differences. There will be no debate about guilt or innocence. There will be a prosecutor, but no defense. There will be a judge, but no jury. There will be sentencing without appeal. And there will be punishment without parole. And so... This is the great white throne judgment. It is to judge those who have died and who now need to be reviewed by God as to um, their uh, final destiny. But these are unbelievers. That's what the great white throne judgment is about. So here's what he says in verse 11. Then I saw a great white throne and him who sat on it. That's the Lord from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away. Now, this is interesting. Because the Bible tells us not just here, but it tells us that heaven and earth will disappear because we're going to get into chapter 21 where there's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Listen to what Jesus said in Matthew 24, 33. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will by no means pass away. Peter saw this day too in 2 Peter 3, 7. He said, the present heavens and earth are reserved for fire, being kept for the day of judgment and destruction of ungodly men. In 2 Peter 3.10, he says, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. 
Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness, looking for and hastening the coming of the day of God, because of which the heavens will be dissolved, being on fire, and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. And so Peter saw this day too. He writes about it there in 2 Peter chapter 3. Jesus talked about it in Matthew chapter 24. There's going to be a time that is concurrent with all this event happening here, the great white throne judgment when the earth and heaven passes away. Now, without earth and heaven, how are people standing before God? Because the next verse, verse 12 says, and I saw the dead small and great standing before God. So there's going to be this moment, and this is kind of unclear in the Bible, but there's going to be this, this time, I don't know how long, between the destruction of the present earth and present heavens, before the appearing of a new heaven and a new earth, where people are basically suspended in the atmosphere before God. I mean, you know, he kind of created everything so he can make it all work out right? How's this going to happen? There's no earth. There's no heaven. Are we just, somehow we're suspended there in his presence as this judgment thing happens. And in regards to this judgment thing, he says in verse 12, and I saw the dead, small and great, standing before God and books were opened. Notice that it's plural and books were opened and another book was opened, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. All right? God's got some books. And uh, what books is John referring to there? Because it's plural. And the books were opened. Well, uh, no doubt, one of the books that's going to be opened is the Bible. The Bible is going to be opened on this day. Jesus said in John 12, verse 48, He who rejects me and does not receive my words has that which judges him. The word that I have spoken will judge him in the last day. So the Bible, the Bible is going to be open. That's part of the books, plural here. I want you to picture the Lord with, you know, maybe a a big table and he's got a Bible. You know, for some of you thinking it's only going to be King James, but I don't, you know, it's probably going to be Hebrew. And, uh, and he's going to have a Bible open, and the Bible's going to testify against people. Well, what else might be among the books? Well, the Bible talks about a book of records. In Psalm 139, verse 16, the Bible says, All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And so God's got a record book of when you're born and when you die. That's a record book. And then there's also a book of remembrance the Bible speaks about. In Psalm 56, verse 8, this is a very touching verse. Listen to what it says in Psalm 56, 8. You number my wanderings, and you put my tears into your bottle. Are they not in your book? It's a question asked there in Psalm 56, 8. In other words, it tells us in Psalm 56, 8 that God records our tears. Our suffering does not go unnoticed to our Lord. He takes note of your heartache, of your grief, of your suffering. 
of your tears. And he records them in a book. I mean, that is a marvelous reflection on the compassion and care of our Father in heaven. There are many times that you might feel like, does God really see what I'm going through? Does he really notice and care about the grief in my life or what I'm distressed about? And the Bible says that he, in a sense there, he stores your tears in a bottle and he records those incidences in a book. That's a book of remembrance. He remembers. And in Malachi 3.16, it says, Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another, and the Lord listened and heard them. So so a book of remembrance was written before him for those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name. That's Malachi 3.16. So it's part of this book of remembrance. God records, those are the people who fear me. Those who fear the Lord and who meditate on his name, they are entered into a book of remembrance. And then finally, we have mentioned here in verse 12, a a book of works, because what is going to judge uh, those who are unbelievers in part is is what they were doing, you know, the evil things that they were doing. Uh, verse, Verse 12 said there, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. So, you know, there may be additional books, we don't know, but these are just some of the books mentioned in the Bible that God will have there as a testimony against unbelievers as he sorts through these books. But then he mentions a book in particular, and that is the book of life there in in verse uh, 12. And another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. And so book of life is something that appears nine times in the Bible. It appears in Philippians 4.3, which says this. Paul, Paul wrote to the church at Philippi. He said, I urge you also, true companion, help these women who labored with me in the gospel, with Clement also and the rest of my fellow workers whose names are in the book of life. And then there's this other reference in Psalm 69.28 where David writes, let my enemies be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. But other than those two references, the only other time we read about the book of life is right here in the book of Revelation. Seven times in the book of Revelation appears this phrase, the book of life. And in particular, the first time the book of life is mentioned is, and I have the reference up there, is in chapter three, verse five, When Jesus said, he who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name from the book of life, but I will confess his name before my father and before his angels. Now, as I've said before, consistent with the way when you look at, you know, the big picture of the council of scripture, and I mentioned this a few weeks ago on our Q&A Sunday when I always get questions about, you know, what happens to children and um, who, who die before they have an opportunity to make faith, a profession of faith in Christ. And, and I took you to two places, and I'll just remind you, or if you weren't there, um, you know, God made gracious provision for the children in the wilderness wanderings. An entire generation of Hebrews died in the wilderness on their way from Egypt to the promised land because of their disobedience against God. But in Deuteronomy, God makes gracious provision for their children who were too young to know right from wrong, and they entered into the promised land. And it was a picture 
And although not a complete picture, but it's a picture of, of heaven. Because, you know, you're leaving a life of slavery. You're on your way to the promised land. Uh, the only thing that will keep you out is disobedience. Uh, Moses didn't lead the people in. He was not allowed to. Moses represents the law. It was his protege who led people in. That was Joshua. His name is Yahashua, meaning the Lord of salvation. The same name that Jesus was given, his given Hebrew name. So you only enter, if you will, the promised land through faith in Yahashua, through faith in Jesus. Yeshua is the abbreviation of Yahashua. Okay, so that's a picture. Young children, before they had the ability to make a decision over right and wrong, they entered into the promised land. It's a picture of heaven. David also, when his infant son died, David told his servants, he will not come back to me, but I will go to him. So he made this profession that he knew one day he would be reunited with his infant son in heaven and, um, and that he, again, would spend eternity with, with his son. So when, when you think about here, the book of life, the question becomes at what point is a person's name written in the book of life? I would submit to you that it's written from the beginning and that it's only blotted out if you don't receive Christ as your Savior, if you deny Him as Lord and Savior. So it's already there to begin with because that's why, again, in Revelation chapter 3, 5, He who overcomes shall be clothed in white garments, and I will not blot out his name. It doesn't say, and I will then enter his name into the book of life. It's interesting. It says, I will not blot his name out. That's the same thing that David prayed in the verse I just quoted a little while ago in Psalm 69, 28, when he, when he was you know, appealing to God about the injustice of his enemies and the enemy's treatment of him. And he says, blot out my enemy's name from the book of the living. Don't let their names be in the book of the righteous. So there is this sense when you read this that there is this entry of our names uh, at the beginning of our lives uh, in the book of life, but it gets blotted out if, if we make a decision to reject Christ, if we make a decision to not accept him and to reject him. And so there's going to be this day when, when, when these people are standing before the Lord and books are opened. And among the books, primarily, here's the book of life. And if their name is not found written in the book of life, if it's been blotted out, if it's not there, then they don't get entry. They don't get entry into the new heaven. And so it says there, and the dead were judged according to their works by the things which were written in the books. In verse 13, the sea gave up the dead which were in it. Okay, that's the answer to the question of what if I have my, you know, Uncle Henry's ashes, you know, scattered at sea? Will will he ever be able to get a glorified body? Yes, that's the answer right there. The sea gave up the dead who were in it. And death and Hades delivered up the dead who were in them. Okay, Okay, again, you know, this is a judgment for the unrighteous. And they were judged, each one according to his works. And then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. So no more hell, no more death. Lake of fire, yes, that's there now for all those who are disobedient and they will join Satan and the false prophet and the Antichrist. But otherwise, death, no more. Hades, hell, no more. Thrown into the lake of fire. This is the second death. And anyone not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. So, you know, it's, it's sad, it's tragic that are at the end. But again, um, you have to want to go there. I mean, Jesus, Jesus dies on a cross to make gracious provision for people so that nobody has to go there. And so for people to end up there, it really ends up there by their 
choice. This breaks the heart of God uh, more than anybody else. This is why he sent Christ to die for us, so that we would not have to suffer the consequences for our sins. But this is the lake of fire, a real place of perpetual suffering forever and ever. Uh, Let's just thank the Lord uh, that he made a provision for us so we don't have to end up separated from him. And uh, let's continue to pray that God would give us a heart for those who don't know him so that as many might trust him as Lord and Savior. That's all we have for today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to listen to this edition in Revelation again, or if you'd like to explore other messages from Pastor Gary through his Bible teachings, just visit our website, cornerstoneconnection.cc. Or you can download our mobile app to stay connected to the truth of God's Word everywhere you go. It's a great way to have a quiet time anytime. You'll find a link on our website, along with more information about the church behind this ministry, Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. If you're in the area, we'd love to meet you. Come visit us. You'll find service times and more information about Cornerstone Chapel at cornerstoneconnection.cc. Is there anything happening in your life right now that we could be praying for? We'd be honored to do that for you. Or is there anything God's doing that deserves some rejoicing? Please let us know. We love that we can interact with our listeners. So send us a quick email and we'll get back to you soon. Prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. With that, our time with you has come to an end for today. Put a marker where we left off in this final book of the Bible and make plans to join Pastor Gary next time for more. Right here on Cornerstone Connection. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.